Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I am always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests with fabulous stories. And i got to tell you, today's show is right on par to be one of our best ever. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and I'm excited to pick his brain for your benefit today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind group, or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites, you know how much I focus on the importance of teamwork and leadership, right? Well, this show is going to help us to do just that. So, today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information and, quite honestly, a super amazing story that you really just need to hear. So... I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. You know, as far as I'm concerned, we only get one trip around this merry-go-round, and we want to make sure it is one hell of a ride. Alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your significant, your other, your child, anything that might possibly possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So, before we officially get going, let me share a little bit of background about our guest today. Dave Sanderson is an inspirational survivor, speaker, and author. His thoughts on leadership have made him a nationally sought-out speaker. When U.S. Airways Flight 1549, or the Miracle on the Hudson, ditched into the Hudson River on January 15, 2009, Dave Sanderson knew he was exactly where he was supposed to be. The last passenger off the back of the plane on that fateful day, he was largely responsible for the well-being and safety of others, risking his own life in frigid water to help other passengers off the plane. Despite the hazards to himself, Sanderson thought only of helping others and emerged from the wreckage with a mission encourage others to do the right thing. In the stirring presentation, Sanderson shares his story of Flight 1549, revealing the inner strength it took to make it through the day and how teamwork, leadership, and state management can help and overcome any obstacle. Dave, it is my pleasure. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to The Real Deal. Thrilled to have you. Well, thank you, Jason. I'm excited to be with you, and I appreciate the opportunity to share some ideas with your uh with your constituents. I appreciate it. Well, tell you what, before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity to meet you or hear your story, do me a favor, share your story with us. What, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Dave Sanderson? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, in a nutshell, what happened to me on January 15, 2009, was I was not supposed to be on that flight. I was scheduled to be on the 5 o'clock flight. And I caught that earlier plane because we got done with our work in a distribution center in Brooklyn that day a little early. So we... Uh, any chance I get home to my wife and four kids all early, I usually try to take advantage. So that's how I got on the plane. So I really believe that I was supposed to be on that plane for for a reason. Um, and when Captain Sullenberger did an amazing job of gliding that plane over the George Washington Bridge, as soon as he cleared the bridge, he said the only words he said the entire time on the plane, he said, race for impact. And Kaylin, I never heard that instruction before, so I knew something was serious. So I, 
that's the moment but I believe that everything that I learned in my life everything that I trained for started to come together because for the 10 years 10 years prior to that day I was the head of security for a gentleman named Anthony Robbins Tony Robbins mm -hmm. I had a chance to not only travel with him but learn and absorb everything that he taught in addition to all the people that he hung with so you know, now I get to share those stories and those lessons with people so that came together for me at that moment after he crashed into the Hudson River which was 36 degrees that day um, I was one of the last passengers uh, started to make my way out of the plane most of the people got extremely resourceful which was a great lesson from that day is resourcefulness as a lot of people jumped on top of the seats to get out of the plane but I didn't do that I, I went to the aisle like I, just, I was programmed to do and my thought process was get to the aisle get up and get out but when I got to the aisle something happened and changed not only that day Jason but changed the entire direction of my life my mom started talking to me in my head my mom, my mom passed away in 1997, but there was something she would tell me when I was a child that popped into my head at that moment when I got to the yacht. It was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And I grew up playing sports, athletics, Boy Scouts. I always had a bunch of guys I hung with, the crew, and always, always took care of each other. And so that's why I waited in the back of the plane until we got everybody out. And that's how I got to be the last passenger out of the plane that day. But when I got to the door, it was my turn to get out. No one left on the plane, and there's no room on the wing for me or the boat because it was already filled up. So that's why I was waist deep in 36 degree water on the plane for about six to seven minutes. I held on to the little lifeboat as close as I could to the wing because if anybody knows anything about the Hudson River, it's got an extremely fast current. And that plane was floating down the river. So that little lifeboat kept going in and out from the plane. And so I held that little lifeboat as close as I could to that wing so people could start getting on the wing. But uh, that's, that's how I was starting to get off the plane. But what happened to me to get off the plane was when the boats were coming, and you, know, you saw any of the footage, and I watched all the footage, you know, the boats were coming in from the front of the plane or the New York side of the plane. Uh, one of was a tugboat. And when he started backing his boat out for the next ferry to come in, he hit the front of the plane. And he shook the plane. And, you know, we're six minutes into this thing now. I'm waist deep into 36-degree water. And all of a sudden, I felt water going up my backside. So... That's the moment I, say, I, always, I always tell people I stop and thank my mom and dad because if they hadn't given me swimming lessons at that point, I'd never been able to get off the plane. And that's one of the biggest lessons of that day is all these things, Jason, that you learned, I learned 30, 40, 50 years ago, all of a sudden, that moment, you may have to take something you've learned all, this, all these years ago and employ it to save yourself or save somebody else. Sullenberger had to use a skill that day called gliding a plane. I had to use a skill called swimming. And that's how I got off the plane. I had to swim for my life. I jumped in, swam to the closest ferry that I could find, and that's how I got off the plane that day. So there's a lot more to the story, but that uh, it was a lot of lessons throughout the entire experience that uh, translate to what uh, what we do every day in life and in business. Wow, that that you know just just even the setup of that story is is truly amazing. Um, what would you say you know as far as Two of the things that you know you mentioned early on was teamwork and leadership. You know, what would you say as far as teamwork was concerned? Um, what did you see employed? What what was what was helpful for that day? Yeah, I, I think team, those were probably the, the key guiding forces behind what happened the entire for the entire situation. Teamwork. What, what amazed me that day is you had 155 people who did not know each other, who didn't care about each other, all of a sudden came a common mission. 
And the common mission became not only after he got the plane down, getting off the plane safely without anybody injured and or dying. So what's amazing to me is when you have a bunch of people who do not know each other, who can come together that quickly in six minutes to achieve an outcome that's never been achieved before, it's a real metaphor for life. You know, if you have a common mission, check your egos at the door, leaders step up, and all of a sudden leaders give direction on the vision, and you can get to, you can make anything happen. It's I've done this in business since that day, and it's amazing when you get people focused on a common mission. Wow. Talk, talk to me for a second about, about leadership during chaos. Because, uh, you know, I've got a, I have an awful lot of uh, friends in the military, and, and I, I've heard it from that perspective, but this has a different slant on it. I, um, you know, I, I love to talk about leadership, but I've actually developed a program called Mission Focused Leadership because what, over the last several years, I've had the opportunity to meet and, uh, and talk to people like General Norman Schwarzkopf and, and, of course, Captain Sullenberger and Justice Kennedy, who's in the Supreme Court, and other leaders around the country. And every time I have a chance to talk to somebody, I ask them a certain set of questions. And one thing that always comes back is they all had a common mission. And they all mentioned me, and I talked to Schwarzkopf that day. It was a very, I have to admit, semi-intimidating talking to a four-star general. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things he's a once in a lifetime. But when I asked him that question, he just told me how he won the war so quickly as he had to get people focused on the mission each day. Because he said people would come to me with problems every day. The women in the military were supposed to drive tanks. They had to cover their heads. They had to pray. They had to do this and that. And he kept refocusing people every day on how does that contribute to kicking Saddam out of Kuwait. And that was his mission. That was his singular mission. And once he did that, within 60 days, he, he accomplished and won a war. Fast forward uh, 10 years after that date to the time when I had a chance to talk to Captain Sullenberger about the whole day that day. And I asked him, I said, what was your decision-making process? I love to hear how people make decisions, leaders. And he said when, that, when, he, when he heard the explosion that he knew that he had basically one mission, is to get everybody down safely and out without injury or death. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking, that's the same thing Schwarzkopf said. He had to get people focused on the mission. So, you know, you put those things together, and leadership's about setting the direction and the vision and letting people execute what they need to execute the best way they know how. Sometimes that day on the play, Jason, one of the things that I share with people is amazing. Sometimes leaders have the acuity to step back and let others who know how to do things better take the action and lead at that point, servant leadership. And there are people on that plane who were leaders, um, who's who stepped up and did what they had to do, but there were times when some people had to step back and say, okay, this guy may know how to do a little bit better. This girl may know how to do a little bit better than I know. Let her do what she needs to do. I'll step back in when I need to. And that, I think, was a real one of the biggest lessons about leadership that day. That's actually, you know, that that alone, I think, is uh, is brilliant on so many levels. You know, I, I'm constantly talking to people who are saying, oh, i got to do it all myself. You know, my, my, I can't have my staff do this, that, or the next thing. And Really, what you just said is, you know, really being able to leverage your staff or leverage people who have a certain skill set. Correct? That's correct. At that moment in time, that skill set. Correct. Right. And again, it, it, it's fleeting, right? So, like, somebody who's great at something right now, you know, that should be their job right now. They don't, they don't have to take over the whole ship. No. Take care of that action. Wherever that project is, complete the project, move on. That's fabulous. 
So fabulous, fabulous. Yep. Tell me about the resources that you use that day, not only to you know survive yourself. I mean, obviously we talked about the skill of swimming, but um, you also helped others. Talk about that if you would. Yeah, I think the, the key thing, the key lesson I love to talk about, and thing I sort of the whole thing I wrap around is resourcefulness. Because when you said you don't think you have any resources available, all of a sudden you got to dig deep into what resources you do have. And some of the resources I and I'm sure others use that day. Number one is what I call state management or how to manage your mind through a crisis. Where you know when people can lose it very quickly, it's those people who know how to manage their mind and focus on that moment that be able to achieve the outcome. And, you know, there's three ways you can you, you manage your mind or manage your state. It's with the way you move your body, the way you talk to yourself, and what you focus on. So that day, I had to use a lot of those different skill sets. And when we were going down, I had to, number one, change my focus on surviving instead of just, you know, what, what was going on at the moment. When it was time to get out, I had to change the physiology because I had to be in a resourceful state at that point in time. So I think state management was a key, key resource. But another one that I talked about that I think is really, really important that people really don't understand a lot about is sensory acuity. Is, you know, what senses do you have to use and what sense do you really go to when times get tough? Everybody in life has a primary modality or sense they go to, whether it's visual, auditory, kinesthetic. And when times get tough, that's what you rely on. And there were times in that plane, I'll give you an ex uh, a specific example. There was a lady that was standing on the wing with a baby and she wasn't moving. She was just, she was basically frozen. She was in a state that she was unresourceful. She wasn't going to do anything. And she, at that point in time, no one was moving around her. So I knew I had to do something. So once I, I, I made my Lost me? Now I got you. Okay. She, um, you know, I got, when I got her attention, I found out she was really auditory. So when I yelled at her, she looked at me and I got her attention. And all of a sudden, people, the baby got on the, on the lifeboat and people were, were helping her. So it's number, number two is sensory acuity. How to manage which modality that person's in. Because if you're talking in a visual state like I am right now, and you got somebody who's auditory who wants to hear things and see things, you're not connecting. How can you quickly do that? And that, that day, I did that. I think other people did that. But the third thing I think was really key was anticipation. You know, you know, when you were going down, you basically had 60 seconds after he crossed over the George Washington Bridge until he crashed into the river. There's a lot of things that could go through your mind at that time, but you have to anticipate the options and choices that you have. And I told somebody, you know, on my team earlier this week, I said, you know, when we have one thing to do, we don't have a choice or an option. You have two things two things you can you know, accomplish. You have an option to do A or B, but that's still not good because what if A doesn't work, B may not work. So in life, we, we all of our team focuses on how many choices can we have. And anticipating those choices, all of a sudden making your game plan up ahead. So when, if you, hit, you did land and you were injured, what other options do I have? What other choices do I have? Made a whole difference. I think everybody on that plane which was roughly 90% business people, which was another distinguishing factor. The passengers on the plane and were more business people instead of travelers, you know, who were just random travelers. They were probably putting together their game plans. So all of a sudden you had 150 passengers putting game plans together and options, which was another key strategy, is when you have your team together, have everybody have a number of choices. So when you have to divert, 
the resourcefulness comes out as all these different resources come together. So. I think that's 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 fabulous. Yeah. Tell me this, uh, because there's now actually time for our resource of the week. Tell me how, how my listeners can find out more about you and how you help folks to succeed, because i, I got to tell you, this is riveting to me. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I have the opportunity, I'm blessed to speak all over the world, but if anybody would love to connect with me, please go to my website, davesandersonspeaks.com. Um, they you know, have a let's talk and you can come directly to me. You don't have any interference whatsoever. You can click that button, write, write something, it comes directly to me. So I love to connect that way. But also on Facebook and Twitter, I do, you know, we're, I'm very blessed right now, Jason. My next book's coming out in about seven to eight weeks. And I'm, in, I'm involved with three different movies coming out starting in July. And then next one will be in, this, in January. And then the following one will be next summer with the one with, unfortunately, Clint Eastwood's doing about the plane. So if I'm going to be giving updates and, and different strategies on how this whole thing came together by way of Facebook and Twitter, which is Dave Sanderson, too, and LinkedIn. And so if that's how they can get a hold of me in Canley, I respond to everybody who, who responds to me. I will connect with you directly, and, and I'll do whatever I can to make sure I can support your outcomes. I love that. I love that. Dave, tell me this. If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, to help them live a better life. What piece of advice would that be? I, you know, I, it's interesting. I did a TV interview two weeks ago in, in Fargo, North Dakota, and that question was asked of me. And I, I shared with him, I said, if I, was, I am a business owner. I have a small little business like a lot of people. And I said, the one thing that I realized that it came to me probably six to nine months after the plane crash was how important treating your associates and people are. And, um, you know, so I, the piece of advice I give people now is take care of your people. Everybody in, everybody in your company, is, if you've got two employees to 10,000 employees, everyone goes through what I call their own personal plane crash in life, whether it's a cancer in your family, heart attack, plane crash, house fire, whatever it is. Everybody's got a plane crash. And it's how, the, how do you respond to your employees? And I'll give you a, a specific example of that that happened to me. Uh, about 12 months, about a year after the plane crash, I was doing an interview in, on a media day in New York with two other passengers. One was with Lending Tree, and one was with McKesson, software out of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were talking off camera just about, you know, hey, how did McKesson, what did McKesson, how they take care of you, how did Lending Tree take care of you? And what I found out is their companies did a tremendous job. They flew their company planes up, they took care of their employees, they gave them, per, you know, paid time off. And then they asked me how my company treated me. I said, man, I didn't even get a phone call. And, you know, I had to go, they asked me to go back to work the next week to fly to Michigan. And that's the moment, Jason, what I realized is that's the moment my company could have made me a raving fan of, you know, hey, listen, these guys took care of me. I'm not, I'm going to be with them until I die instead of, you know, basically saying I'm just a number. I'm just a number. So, you know, if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have showed up the next week, they would have put somebody to fly to Michigan. They would have gotten a sale and all of a sudden I'm just somewhere. So what I tell people is, the people like who worked for Bank of America and Wachovia and Lending Tree and McKesson, the people on that plane that day, their companies took great care of them, and now they are raving fans of their company. They say nothing but great things. Just like I say nothing but great things about U.S. Airways, but they took great care of me. So I would say the biggest strategy I tell people, if you have employees, take care of your employees. Know when they have a personal plane crash going on in their life. Do whatever you can to make them raving fans of yours. So when times get tough, and when times will get tough in companies, that they will have your back and have loyalty and make sure it happens for you. 
I love it. Dave, thanks so, so very much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and I really appreciate you joining us to share some of your wisdom, your experience, and uh, really not just business-saving, but life-saving skills. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Jason. I look forward to hearing, hearing from you again. Absolutely. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.